Hey, welcome to it. It's your morning constitution with your guy, D-Mac. A busy night last night where the star of the show... We'll get to that incredible cuteness in just a second. While the Nuggets came back to town to practice and they get going tomorrow night, it was the Avalanche who had to face an unreal challenge. Sort of. Let's start in the morning as we look at the Avalanche and their game against Vancouver. Jared Bednar. Early in the morning before Vancouver about Ryan Johansson. Yeah, yeah, I have. I thought I think he's been more competitive here over the last handful of games for me. You know, like he, I think he's been playing with a good conscience, but more that you have to push yourself physically, um, competitively in um, areas in order to, you know, succeed. And I think he's done that more consistently over the last handful of games. Now, there were some people rolling their eyes at that. Ryan Johansson had only scored two goals in the past couple of months. He hadn't scored in 20 games. So there's Ryan Johansson scoring the two most important goals of the game last night in the 3-1 to win over the first place, best team in the NHL. Wow, 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 Vancouver Canucks. Ryan Johansson. Could, nobody could believe it. The whole crowd erupted because every it's an unbelievably knowledgeable hockey crowd. Unbelievably knowledgeable. I mean, the Az fans absolutely know every little detail about what's going on with their team. So when Ryan Johansson scores a goal, never mind two, I mean, there's a sense of, yeah, man, we're behind you. You're part of our team. Even though we may talk about trading you and grumble your name. Ryan Johansson got the goals. And, you know, Bednar looked like he was some sort of bizarre soothsayer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I thought he played hard again tonight. You know, like I just see, like, there's just a little bit more competitive spirit in his game here recently. You know, the team's been digging in, he's a veteran player. Um, it looks different for everybody, you know, that competitive spirit, but he's been working hard and doing what he can, and he gets rewarded for some of that work here tonight. He was good, you know, nice to see him get rewarded. The first one, in two different ways, really. You know, nice play by Zach on the second one. They they cheated to take the wall away, finds D2, which happened to be Joe, and a good shot and screen gets a lucky deflection on their D trying to block it. But the first one getting gritty, that whole line, and then going to the net hard and finding the rebound. So off the end boards, is, it was good. Good to see. Is that something you've spoken to him about or something he's been feeling? Well, we've been talking to our whole team about that, you know. And it's been so... And I haven't spoke with him individually on that, like recently, but I mean, we're reiterating it every day and what we need to do. It's one of our keys to, well, really defending. It's what the game requires in order to win at, at the end of the day. is that you, can't, you can't cheat your work ethic. You can't take shortcuts. He's got to be hard and competitive or it's just not going to be good enough. And it was interesting talking to Ryan Johansson 
in the locker room afterwards. So what Bednar is saying is that ah, I didn't I didn't bring him aside, but everybody kind of knows. And he's part of what I'm saying. I'm challenging guys. I mean, there's certain guys you're looking at more than other guys. There's just no doubt about it. But but he isn't the only one. He just stands out the most. That's all. So talking to Ryan Johansson after the game, you could tell it was more of a relief than some sort of, you know, jubilant moment. Week or something. Uh, I guess nothing. Just sticking with it and trying to elevate uh, as a team and individually and just trying to do more because that's what it takes this time of year. And uh, It's nice to get rewarded and, and contribute. How did it feel to get the goals? Great. Feels great. Always feels great to contribute and, and uh, impact games. Was that second goal just a sign of when things are yeah. finally they, they, they just work? Yeah, it was, it was a lucky bounce, and obviously it's it's from the work in front of the net, creating that scrum, and it bounce off his hip and goes in. So it's a, it's a funny game sometimes. You go stretches and can't score, and then and stuff like that happens. But kind of with the start of it, you just you just got to keep sticking with it and, and uh, find ways to impact games. Yeah, his first goal was, you know, right place, right time, pucks on a stick, backhand, flips it in, kind of a garbage goal, like, you know, all right. And the second goal was from the point, which for, for Ryan Johansson is weird because, you know, basically he makes his living playing in front of the net, big guy. And, and uh, yeah, he got lucky. There was a deflection off their defenseman that went in. Okay. So, yeah, there's luck involved sometimes by putting the puck to the net. So whether you want to give him credit or not, I suppose that's up to you. Do you you say, hey, way to go? Or do you say, listen, that was a lucky night. That's all there was. There wasn't much skill to it. It's right place, right time, and a and a good bounce. And and like I said, you could tell from Ryan Johansson's expression, and you just saw it, that he understands how those goals went in and what happened. He's not taking some sort of gargantuan victory lap and when um, Devon Taves earlier in the year said there's, you know, 16 guys who are playing well or 14 guys playing well and six guys who are, you know, not, including guys that think they're doing better than they really are. Listen, in my opinion, in my opinion, it, it feels hard to believe Ryan Johansson wasn't one of those guys. And perhaps that has created some tension amongst him and his relatively new teammates and with the trade deadline coming up March 8th I mean that is right around the corner there is a pressure need we've talked about it here for one of two things either somebody play as they expected Ryan Johansson to play or Ryan Johansson just plays how they expect him to play and obviously being challenged by Bednar has been significant yeah, yeah, absolutely. You gotta uh, you know, try and find ways to do as much as you can. And uh, definitely wasn't happy with my game there for for a minute. And, and um, so, you know, I've really been focusing and trying to do trying to do more. And it, it feels good to to contribute uh, with a win here tonight, and, and hopefully keep it rolling. Okay, man. You see what I'm saying. It's much more just relief than, you know, that he's thrilled about things. Listen, the win is huge, okay? 
Vancouver is the top team in the NHL with an amazing road record. Now they have lost three in a row and they follow up losing 10 to seven after blowing a big lead in Minnesota um, with a, a loss in Colorado. So perhaps there are those that are questioning, is it a false summit? Is it, is it a, a is there some sort of Michigas with the Vancouver Canucks? foolishness silliness is it is it a bunch of hype and there's not much to it is this a typical you know president's trophy winning sort of team that's just going to collapse in the playoffs let them have those doubts in uh vancouver which i understand is a beautiful city for the avalanche it was proof that hey man this is who we are so let's forget about that road trip and let's think about, as Bednar said, the last three out of four games, which were, you know, really positive. You did have a, you know, a disappointing game in Tampa, but you did beat Washington. You beat a scrappy uh, Coyotes team, and now you beat the best team in the league, theoretically. Listen, it helped playing Vancouver on the second night of a back-to-back. I'm not going to lie about that. And Bednar admitted that that was a good thing, but still. You did trail in this game one nothing as JT Miller got the first goal for Vancouver. And in that particular instance, it was like, oh, my God, is this really going to happen tonight where the Avs were flying? I'll tell you this. A team like Vancouver that allows a lot of open ice and a lot of speed up and down, that is not a team I'm afraid of for the Avs. That's going to present a lot of possibilities. Meanwhile, the Avs are 2-for-28 on, on the power play. And that's not great. But, there's a big but though. The vast majority of things here were fantastic for the Avs. The style of play, getting contributions from Ryan Johansson. And the only last piece of the puzzle was Nathan McKinnon. Who going into the game had a 26 point home scoring streak. And you do wonder if streaks like that matter or don't matter. And, and the, the last thing you want to do is put some sort of personal record ahead of the team. But again, when I talk about the smartness of the ball arena crowd for the Avs, a, a huge chunk of that is just knowing big things and little things. And for the ball arena crowd, McKinnon's home scoring streak, point streak, <laughs> Ah, excuse me. What a big buildup to that sneeze. <laughs> ah, they come in twos. I, I told you this was live. McKinnon's point scoring streak was a big deal. And Jared Bednar confirmed it. Well, I was wanting him to get it. I mean, he had a couple good looks. And, uh, yeah, you know, like, he, I think he... he he stays with it right to the very end. You know what I mean? Like, I think he was a little frustrated because they had some good chances. And then we had the power play at the end where I thought we created some nice chances. Um, or at least a couple good looks to the net. I don't know how many of them got through to the net and whatnot. But he, 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 get a, he knows he's going to be on the ice at the end of the game, right? So, I mean, if we can hold on to a win or build or build a lead and hold on to a lead, then he's going to get an opportunity uh, with the net empty, so I was really happy to see him get it, and as long as he can keep that going, I, I think it's a positive thing for our team. Okay, so now we know. Now we know. 
this is a positive thing for the team while still being a personal accomplishment. It's as if a running back was getting 2,000 yards. The offensive line is celebrating. You know, there's a little pressure on a Terry Lekkinen because the goal came with 27.6 seconds left. That's it. Woo! And the crowd was pumped that it happened, rightfully so. 27.6 seconds left, and McKinnon extends his point-scoring streak at home to 27 games. Huh? Huh? It was a great night, and it was taken in by the tallest of the hockey fans. That would be Nikola Jokic. This is why this moment was... This is a fantastic moment, and they show Jokic on the Jumbotron. The crowd starts chanting MVP, and his daughter starts clapping along with the MVP chant. Why does his daughter start chanting along with MVP chants? Because that's what she hears when her dad goes to work. If there was a day in my kid's life where, where everybody at the radio station started chanting MVP so much that my kid would just be conditioned to chant along and clap along. I mean... This, if you want to peek in a very pure, unmanufactured, awesome moment, it's Nikola Jokic's daughter, who's conditioned because her dad is so good, clapping along to an MVP. <laughs> How many times has she heard her dad being chanted MVP by a sold-out crowd that she's just used to it. Oh, yeah. Well, this is what I do. I, I come to Ball Arena, and uh, I hear MVP chants. MVP. MVP. It was a great moment. And I got to admit, I'm a little surprised Jokic was even there, but he had he was right on the glass. Right on the glass. Great seats for Nicole Jokic, and... I'm not sure who he's sitting next to, but his daughter's... I mean, absolutely adorable. And another reason why we all love Jokic so much. And to have Jokic and McKinnon really just feet apart, separated by the Vancouver bench. He was on the Vancouver bench. It's cool. It's beyond cool. And Jokic had a front row seat to see Nathan McKinnon pick up his assist to a Terry Lekkinen. And the Avs win 3-1. to one. Jokic was in the building to watch the Avs, but he was not at the practice that the Nuggets had. And that was okay. More than okay. Michael Malone talked about he's not worried about Nikola Jokic. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate. You know, uh, I didn't spend one minute watching anything. Uh, from the All-Star weekend, uh, and I'm glad I didn't. Um, but Nicola knows 
how to kind of handle his mind, his body. Um, you know, he flew out there, I think, on Friday, played a few minutes on Sunday, uh, was not required to be here for the rules tonight. So we'll get him back out here tomorrow. And, um, you know, Nicole is the last guy I worry about. I think he, he's fully understanding of where we're at, what we have in front of us. What was your take on the uh, All-Star guy? I'm sure he's the score. So we'll get to the all-star comments in just a second, but it is pretty funny that Jokic wasn't at the practice, but he was. So the practice was at five o'clock, very unusual time. And Malone wanted to have a practice at night when he could, and then turn it around to have a practice um, later this morning. Here is uh, an update with, KCP and Jamal Murray. You know, after tonight's practice, both those guys looked really good. And hopefully after uh, you know getting some sleep tonight, quick turnaround tomorrow morning for practice, but hopefully they'll be able to go tomorrow and then we can take it on a game-by-game basis. So that's, you know, I think that's good news. It's good that they were back. It's good they were practicing. MPJ knows that it's time to turn it on. Important for all of us. Uh, now we just got to be focused going to this this stretch right here, going in the playoffs, I'm about, what, 30 games left? Uh, 27. 27, so yeah, we're refreshed and we're ready to go. They work you pretty hard today. <laughs> uh, I mean, just get back into it, not too hard, not too hard. What's the, uh, what's the... All right, well, you were out of breath and sweating. It was a legitimate question. Listen, these guys love playing basketball. They're incredible athletes. They're in great shape. This kind of break is a long break for them, and hopefully it does give them the energy for a 27-game push starting Thursday against Washington, who's the second-worst team in the NBA. If there was ever a game to sort of, like, get your legs underneath you and try to bounce back from that stinky loss against the Kings right before the All-Star break, I, I'd say it's, it's against Washington. We'll get to a very embarrassing moment um, that involved myself and Michael Porter Jr. in, in just a second, but... So you'll want to hang on for that, no doubt. But let's get, and thank you to Vic from Lombardi for pointing it out. We'll get to that in a second. But let's get to Michael Malone's comments about the All-Star game and his ideas on how to possibly. Yeah, I mean. You were there last year, right? So you saw Yeah, and you saw my comments after the game last year. So probably more of the same. It's, I know the league is trying to do everything they can to make it a more competitive game. And, um, you know, that wasn't the case. So I don't, I don't know what the league can do. You can't force players to play hard. You can't force players to care. And, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of the players in their uh, defense, you know, 27 games out of the break for us, I'm, I'm assuming probably roughly the same for most teams. Uh, you're also worried about injuries. You know, I mean, your number one duty and obligation is to your, your team. And uh, so I'm not sure. Maybe they should do like the Pro Bowl have an all-star weekend after the season's over, and everybody can go there and have fun. There's nothing competitive about it. Nobody can worry about getting hurt, um, but it's just uh, the all-star game is completely different than the all-star game I grew up watching, and um, I feel bad because it's a situation everybody's aware of, but there's no easy fix that anybody's come up with, and I don't know if there ever will be, to be quite honest. Yeah, and it begs the question, like, who really cares? They still had more than 11 people watching the game and the festivities and people streaming and people watching on replays and 
you know, watching the game itself is, I don't know, who cares? I tell you, um, if they really didn't care, they actually wouldn't change anything, and they would lower the price of all-star tickets so more fans could actually go. How about that for an idea? Um, or you could play at some sort of huge stadium and just let people in for free. I mean, if you, you have it in Indianapolis at a basketball arena, well, all right, there's 20,000 fans, I guess, paying for it. Well, what if you held it, like, I don't know, at the, uh, the dome there down the street at the football stadium, whatever the hell it's called these days? And, yeah, all right, you can sell 20,000 seats like you've always had, but then just let everybody in for a very, very cheap, or just give the tickets away to literally thousands and thousands of people, okay? So then, all right, you're going to get your $11 million. You're going to get guys not playing defense, but you know what you're going to do? You're going to service better thousands and thousands of people in that particular community and help bring basketball to them. Going to an NBA game is, it's expensive, man. Going to all these sports is, is really, really expensive. So I think it's an interesting idea for Malone. And, and then maybe if, if the players know that, hey, you know, there's like 50,000 people here who are, who are such big fans, this is the only game they may get to all year. Maybe that would work if they knew that the game meant more to the players or more to the fans, rather. The game meant more to the fans. Perhaps that would work even better than money. Knowing how special it is and who you're there to play for. I think preseason games should be virtually free. And the NFL. I think one of the better things about preseason game, and there's not a lot, or training camp, is an opportunity for those who really can't afford dropping huge money. And, and now it feels like it is huge money to go to anything. I mean, you got to be like some sort of season ticket holder or a secondary market. And, you know, if there was a cheap way to see LeBron James and Durant and Nikola Jokic and uh, Tatum and uh, SGA, what about that? What about an opportunity to actually see these stars in person would they play harder if that was the case if they knew who their audience was i mean is it possible that these players don't give a shit about this game because all they're doing is playing in front of rock stars and music folk and hollywood people i mean is it possible that playing in front of just a bunch of richie riches is not motivating Maybe. Listen, I'm just shooting out ideas. But I think these players understand the roots of where the game came from and what the roots of basketball is such an amazing sport because look how simple it is relatively to play and participate in. Whereas, you know, my favorite sport, baseball, is pretty complicated. It used to seem pretty simple, but now there just is a lot to it. Basketball is easy, never mind hockey. Geez, how anybody affords to play hockey in America right now? I can't believe I did it. And, you know, I look at the hockey moms and dads out there, and I know 
I know when I see those little kids skating around the ice at Ball Arena, I know what the parents are sacrificing in order for that to happen. Listen, I wouldn't take it back for a second. Being a hockey dad was one of my favorite things in life. I miss it dearly. But it's not as simple as just handing somebody a basketball, and there's courts all over the place. Make the game itself more affordable to go to, and maybe you'll get better performances out of your players. I, um, I let myself down, and I was happy that Vic Lombardi was there on social media to remind me. Um, I have found, if we're going behind the weeds here on getting all these interviews, and I hope you were impressed by all the audio and video gathered today, as that was your boy having a busy, busy day. But there's a way to connect a cord to my iPhone where I would hold it and have a microphone. But I have realized that is a big pain in the ass. And it's, it's you know, doing that, it's hard to do. It's a hell of a lot easier just taking my iPhone and, you know, just being like, boom, talk. And if you get a certain closeness to your subject, there's no problem with that. The problem is um, weak muscles, I guess. As I'm holding something up, sometimes you might drop it. And uh, this created this moment with Michael Porter Jr. So this is not some sort of action scene. This is me being a weak. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know, but yeah, throw isn't the right word. Um, I mean, I know he'd rather be on break, I think. Um, but I know all those guys felt blessed to be there, probably as well as Yoke. But um, it's good he gets a couple days. It was probably good he wasn't here today. What's your take on that? That happened in front of all the muggles. Michael Porter Jr. staring at me. Are, is your phone okay, bro? I mean, like... Uh, embarrassing. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I don't know, but... Yeah, obviously... Um, I mean, I know he'd rather be on break, I think. Um, but I know all those guys felt blessed to be there, probably as well as Yoke. But um, it's good he gets a couple days. It was probably good he wasn't here today. What's your take on Uh, I'm an idiot. Okay, let's get to your comments and see what you got to say here real quick. Uh, I love seeing Jokic valuing his family so highly. Seeing a superstar not have a sport identify him is so refreshing. I don't know how this isn't one of the cooler moments. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, how great was that? So great. So amazing. What's up, my man? Glad that you're along. Uh, good morning, number one muggle from the number two mugglehead. Steven, I love it. You can be a mug you can be the number one mugglehead if I'm the number one muggle. Yesterday I asked you who you thought made it further in the playoffs, nuggets or the ass. Today's question, which teams makes it back to the playoffs first? Broncos or the Rockies. You only need 88 wins to get there in baseball. We're just talking about the playoffs, and I count the one-game game 
play in game. I do count that as the playoffs. Um, it's a good question. Probably the Broncos at this point. I mean, the, the Rockies yesterday were predicted to actually literally be the worst team in baseball by ESPN and a win total of 57 games. I mean, that is 105 losses. That's rough. That'd be really rough. So right now I would say it's the Broncos, but it's not an impossibility for the Rockies. And I'm not worried ever about the Rockies winning the NL West. I don't care. What you care about is getting in and then going on a run in the playoffs. And in the playoffs, it's just so different than the regular season. Um, either you're going to have the pitching or you're not. But wild things can happen in the playoffs. So they've certainly done it before. I've been in that clubhouse with champagne sprayed all over me on consecutive years. It's not that crazy. Now, were they good enough to win the World Series? Well, no. But were they good enough to get to the playoffs? Yeah. However, it seems like a stretch to go from the absolute worst team in baseball to the playoffs. It's not a stretch for the Broncos to get back. It's not. Even if the Broncos start from scratch, because of the salary cap and the way the league is structured in baseball, it's easier just to get from, you know, a low level to a higher level. Way easier. Roxanne, good morning to you. Appreciate you paying attention. Uh, DMAC, I'll make a deal with you. If you retire your Star Wars nerd voice, I'll stop buzzing cyclists in my semi. That's a deal I just cannot go with. Sorry. Phantom Menace rules. You secretly love this voice. Nerd voice. You know, I... I said it. Good morning, DMAC and Johnny Love. Dominic, good morning to you. And yeah, the phone dropping. That really happened. And it was really embarrassing. Important for all of us. Uh, now we just got to be focused going to this, this stretch right here, going to the playoffs. I'm um, about, what, 30 games left? Uh, 27. 27. So yeah, we're refreshed and we're ready. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know, but yeah, obviously. Um, I mean, I know he'd rather be on break. I think, um, but I know all those guys felt blessed to be there, probably as well as Yoke. But um, it's good he gets a couple days. It was probably good he wasn't here today. What's your take on? That's not an MVP moment. I kill you. <laughs> That's a moment of Zen that you can take with you for the rest of the day. We kill you with truth. Back at 8 a.m. with Nate and Chad, we're going to talk about the new college football playoff system. Who's this an advantage for? And does this make it easier for prime, prime time, to get back to a national championship possibility? And does it open the door for CSU? 8 a.m., kill you with truths. Chuckle at pain with Nate, Chad, and your boy D-Mac. And I don't think I'm the MVP because I dropped my phone, and that was embarrassing.